Welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Neighborhood Church. We pray that you be blessed by it. There's the table, the table. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Good morning. Morning, dude. I'm gonna. Uh, I'd like to share a message with you this morning. Thank you. You're so alive today, bro. It's the only way to do it. Um, I'd like to share a, a message with you this morning about the anointing. And um, so if you're taking notes this morning, the title, that's me. Oh, interesting. If you're taking notes this morning, title is the anointing. I hope you don't fall asleep in here. It's kind of dark. So... But if you do, it's okay. Just rest. Just probably Saturday. Um, so, before, uh, kind of introduction to this message. What I want to do is I want to show you the difference between the anointing of God and the gift of God. I think that sometimes as charismatics, Pentecostals, people of the Spirit, we sometimes get kind of confused um, as to which is which with respect to the anointing and the gift. And um, so what I'd like to do is kind of bring a teaching and then just kind of encourage you. Is that all right? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you there, Saskatoon? Yeah. Okay. So the Corinthian church, the Corinthian church, I like to call the Corinthian church, really the Corinthian cacophony. The Corinthians were the most spiritually gifted church in the New Testament. They came, Paul said that they came short in no gift. In fact, when we look at the, the book of 1 Corinthians particularly, we see body ministry that's happening that we actually don't even have necessarily a glimpse into in the other churches. The Corinthians can prophesy, I mean they can prophesy till the cows come home, and they speak in tongues. And they're working in, you know, miracles and gifts and et cetera. But their church is a total dumpster fire. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that their meetings were so bad that it was actually better when they didn't get together. Can you imagine a church being so bad that somebody's just like, just stop having church. It'll be more healthy for everybody. That's crazy. Most spiritually gifted church, but the most spiritually immature people. You can be totally spiritually gifted, 
You can be charismatic, you can have the gifts flowing in your church, and you can be the most uncharactered, dangerous people. That's nuts. I mean, the occasion for the writing of 1 Corinthians is so that, so that the dude stops sleeping with his mother. That's real. Don't get offended. It's the Bible. Can you imagine that like, somebody would have to tell you, hey, by the way, I can't believe I'm having to tell you this because people outside the church don't even do this, but for whatever reason you're allowing this to go on, please stop. There's a section that actually Paul tells them to stop sleeping with prostitutes. What is happening? This church, I mean, the miracle of the Corinthian cacophony is that Paul takes credit for it. If I was Paul, I wouldn't have written them a letter. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I was Paul, I would have, people would, you know, hey, how that, how's that church in Corinth going? Corinth? Never been to it. What? Right? But in 2 Corinthians, he's arguing for, their, for his apostleship, for, for being their spiritual dad. Are you kidding me right now? Paul, what's wrong with you? Run in the opposite direction. It's incredible. The Holy Spirit is doing really, on a 40,000 foot level, he's accomplishing two things in our churches. Two things in our churches. The first thing is new births, right? The Holy Spirit, we don't give new birth. The Holy Spirit gives new birth. The Holy Spirit's the one that brings people to the Father, brings people to Jesus, does that work of illumination, revelation. The Holy Spirit does that work, right? That's regeneration. The Holy Spirit does regeneration, if you're taking notes, new birth or regeneration. Second thing that the Holy Spirit's doing is that continuing job of adoption or sanctification is the theological word that we like to use. So the Holy Spirit gets you started on your journey, right? The new birth. He also takes you on your journey of maturation, right? You following me? Is this too theological for this morning? Okay, good. <laughs> regeneration. New birth, so, so we want people to experience new birth on Sunday mornings, right? When we want people to be coming home to Jesus. Um, but we also want people to be growing up into Jesus as well. And thankfully, the Holy Spirit is accomplishing or desires to accomplish those two things in the life of the church. Those are his primary ministries, which is essentially, I mean, we're living in the age of the Holy Spirit. This is the age of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is ascended to the Father. He's at the right hand, and now the Holy Spirit is crushing it on earth, building the church, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen, dude. So our churches need Holy Spirit births, regeneration, our, our churches need Holy Spirit power for maturity, for, for, for adoption to take place, right? Like, just because you're, you're a son doesn't mean that you get all of the stuff. You have to come of age. You have to mature. You know, like, we don't give babies keys to the cars, right? You, be, you, you prove to us that you have a brain in your head and you can follow process and follow orders and you can learn some stuff and then God begins to give you keys to the kingdom. You following me? That's the work of the Holy Spirit maturing us. And the anointing accomplishes both of those things. We can have a part to play in new birth 
And we can have a part to play in people's maturation, their sanctification, that process of adopting people coming into their destiny and coming into sonship and daughtership. We can have a part to play in that, and the anointing accomplishes both of those. Okay? Amen. I love this guy. You're coming home to New York with me. It's, ha- it's happening. I'm booking your flight this afternoon. <laughs> what is the anointing? The anointing, this is some of my definitions here. The anointing, I believe, is if we, if we read through the Gospel of Luke, but specifically in Luke chapter 3 and 4, we see Jesus, he gets baptized. Then we, then we see the, after his baptism, the Holy Spirit descends upon him in bodily form. And then after that baptism and then the Father's confirmation, this is my son, I'm well pleased in him, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. The next verse, the Holy Spirit, um, Jesus is full of the Spirit and he's led by the Spirit. We're seeing this progression of the work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life. Hello. If Jesus needs the Holy Spirit, you need the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Right? Think about it. Perfect Jesus, sinless Jesus, obedient Jesus, needed the Holy Spirit. How much more do we need the Holy Spirit? He's led into the wilderness. He's depleted. We read about this in the book of Matthew. He's depleted. Angels come and minister to him. Hello. If Jesus gets depleted... You get depleted. If Jesus needs a fresh filling up, you need a fresh filling up. The Holy, uh, Jesus leaves. Uh, he's tempted by the devil, but he does what Adam could not, the three temptations. And he overcomes the word of God and by the spirit of God. And then he leaves, the Bible says in Luke, that he leaves the Holy Spirit, or the, leaves the wilderness in the power of the spirit. And then finally we see kind of the culmination or the apex of Holy Spirit ministry in Jesus' life. In Luke 4, 18, Jesus opens up the book of Isaiah, right? And he reads, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. And then he begins to list the usefulness of the anointing, setting people free and bringing them into sonship and maturity. So the anointing is like the apex of Jesus' ministry. The anointing is a fullness of the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Love this passage in Ephesians 3.19. Ephesians 3.19. And Paul says this, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Filled with all the fullness of God. That's where Paul wanted the Ephesians to live. Live in the fullness of God. There's a fullness of God. Filled does not mean full. Filled does not mean full. There's one spirit, absolutely, when you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit, and there's that birth, the Spirit's living in you, but it's like there's a well, and there's a river, and you always have the well of God, but there's a river of God, and you can be filled with all the fullness. There's multiple fillings. There's one spirit, but many fillings. One spirit, many fillings. Is this all right? 
We're getting a little theological. But that's okay, because we need to understand this stuff. So that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. But filled yesterday doesn't mean filled today. Hello. You following me? So God wants us to live from that fullness. And that fullness is where the anointing operates from. That's where the anointing comes from. From the fullness. When we come to church, we need to come full, not empty. Church isn't necessarily a place where you sit and you eat. It's a place, and that can happen, and that's okay, but it's a place where we come to give. I mean, we see that in 1 Corinthians. Like, some come with a psalm, the hymn, a spiritual song, and we, if there's body ministry, and we're, we're giving. It's a completely different look at church. Instead of being the consumer, we come and we're like, no, I'm here to minister to people. I'm here to minister to the Lord. I'm a king priest, and I'm here to minister to the Lord, and I'm here to minister to others. And we're operating in the anointing and in the fullness. That's really... God's plan for us. Amen. Amen. <laughs> now, ministry won't fill you. Being a Christian won't fill you. Serving at church won't fill you. It doesn't fill you. It takes, right? It depletes. Jesus said that power came out of him. When Jesus you know, fought in the wilderness, he was depleted. He needed refreshing. And so it, these things won't fill us. And sometimes we can feel like we're full, but we're actually empty. So when we go out and we, you know, man, you know, we just had a great Sunday. And then like, like an hour or two later, we're like empty. You know, it's like, what happened? Well, dude, you just, things came out of you. And so you need to be filled again. You can, another thing, too, about the, the anointing is that we can be falsely magnetized in an anointed atmosphere. So you, we come into a, a great worship service. We come into, you know, and there's people around us that are full of the Holy Spirit, and they're ministering the anointing of God. And we can kind of get around that, and we can feel like we're full, but we haven't been filled. And we don't maintain, maintain that necessarily. And we're not, we don't have a relationship with God. There's no devotion in our life. There are no altars that we've built up. And so we just kind of go from anointed atmosphere to anointed atmosphere in false magnetization and never being a people of the Spirit, which can happen. And finally, your gift is not the anointing. So sometimes finding what the anointing is is finding out what the anointing is not. The gift is not the anointing. It's not. Completely different. Let's take a look at the gift versus the anointing. So firstly, I'm going to make a little list here. Okay, Anointing versus gift, if you're taking notes. Anointing versus gift. Firstly, both are from God. Both are from God. Gift is from God. The anointing is from God. Both need to be stewarded. Because they're from, from the Lord, and so we need to steward them. Um, but the gift points. The gift points. It can point to God. It can point to Jesus. We can point to the Spirit of God. The gift points. The anointing imparts. The anointing imparts. People receive something when we've been filled with the Holy Spirit and we're working in the anointing of God. 
Next, the gift inspires. The gift inspires. The anointing breaks yokes. The anointing breaks yokes. The gift gives goosebumps. The gift gives goosebumps. I don't know about you, but I've been in plenty of services where somebody sang and I just got the goosebumps because it was so good. Right? It's like, oh. But I get goosebumps at a great movie. Is it, is it the anointing in the movie? No. It's a gift. It's pretty cool. But how many times, because we don't understand these things, we confuse the goosebumps or the feels with the anointing. The anointing always has an effect. The anointing, the gift gives goosebumps. The anointing sets people free. And that's what people need. They need freedom. They need an impartation of God. They need bondages to be broken off of their lives. The gift can be corrupted easily. We can, I mean, there's people who have gifts from God. The gifts of God are without repentance, and they're serving the devil with them. They're serving themselves. They're serving the world. They're serving the devil with their gifting that God gave them. The, anoint, the anointing can't be corrupted, though, because the anointing is from God, and it's always accomplishing God's will. And what is God's will? New birth. And sanctification, people becoming like Jesus, cannot be corrupted. The gift forms self. The gift forms self. We're in, we're in a, especially millennials, but we're in, we're in a world of, we have this major emphasis on self-authenticization. Becoming your true self. And the gift, a lot of times, is kind of part of that. People try to discover who they are. And... Well, that's, all, that's well and good, and I'm not necessarily against that. And God does give you gifts, and oftentimes your gifts do, um, do, are an indicator of your calling and your destiny, etc. The gift forms self, but the anointing forms Christ. And the truth of the matter is that the new you is the true you. The new you, the one that's patterned after Jesus Christ, is actually the true you. So the anointing actually really forms the true self. You following me? The gift doesn't mature. It doesn't mature. I mean, look at creatives. They're a hot mess. Really? Come on. Creatives are like, have you ever like pastored creatives, which is what I've done for years? It's like herding kittens. They're like the most gifted people in the world, but they're always just a mess at times. It's okay. We love them. They're, they could, you know, they grow. But the anointing matures you. You can be the super gifted people. You ever notice some gifted people are a hot mess. It's a reality. The gift doesn't mature you. The anointing of God will mature you, though. We desperately need to be people of the anointing. Now, the gift can be a conduit for the anointing of God. Absolutely. But also, you can be serving in the parking lot on a Sunday morning, and the anointing of God is just pouring out of you. You know, to me, I see churches like it's a, it's a Holy Spirit car wash. You know, people just come through, and they're just getting whacked by the anointing. 
you know, from the parking lot to the door greeters to the ushers, you know, to the prayer and to the worship and the word and then greeting, and they're just getting smacked by the anointing of God. And the anointing isn't just the guy who plays guitar. Come on. Come on, you're the church. You're Christians. You're the you're anointed ones. Jesus is the Christos, the anointed one. And we're to be Christians, anointed ones, people that are full of the Spirit of God and have something to give people. I believe that when I'm full of the Spirit, when I lay my hands on somebody or I pray for somebody, I'm not just you know, saying dead words or, or just some sort of formulaic message over somebody, but I believe that I'm imparting something supernatural. I'm imparting something divine to them. If I'm walking in the Spirit and I'm full of the Spirit, people don't need a be warm, be filled. You know, some sort of formula. Or maybe like some sort of gifted, memorized prayer. There's, there's no incantation that works over people. There's the anointing and then there's nothing. But, but the truth of the matter is that be warm, be filled, if it's anointed, can do some serious damage. You following me? So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the difference maker in our life. It's all about that. We don't need more gifted people. What we need is anointed people. And the gift, I mean, I'm not against the gift. I love the gift. I'm a creative. I'm all about, I'm from Hillsong Church. We love gifted people. But the anointing has to be our value. It has to be our priority that, we, that our people understand, once again, from the parking lot to the platform, that we're going to be people of the Spirit and that we're all carrying that weight and that we all make up that anointed atmosphere so that we come prepared as kings and priests to minister to the Lord and to minister to others from the overflow of the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. Here's four ways this isn't exhaustive, but I'm going to close with this. This is four ways that you can cultivate the anointing in your life. Really simple. Once again, this isn't exhaustive. This is just four ways that I think maybe you know, our churches could grow in uh, cultivating the anointing. Repentance, number one. Um, Acts 3.19. Acts 3.19, Peter preaches this powerful word, and he says, repent so that times of refreshing can come from the Lord. Repent so that times of refreshing could come from the Lord. And dare I say that repentance is, it's, it's, it's kind of been like, it's a word that we don't want to hear. We don't want to necessarily ever hear on a Sunday. It's a dirty word, but really it's the most hopeful incredible, good news, dare I say, sexy word ever. It means that you could change your life. It means that God could have his way in your life and so that you, and there's hope for tomorrow and there's hope for you. It's incredible. It's the best word ever. And we need to understand, we need to tell that to others and we need to kind of reimagine what repentance is. The, one of the Greek words for repentance that Paul uses, it's one of, one of the main words that he uses, metanoia. It means to change your mind. It means to just agree with God. I grew up in a youth group where we used to preach that repentance was a 180-degree turn. If repentance is a 180-degree turn, none of us have repented. Because we still sin. You following me? Okay? Now, 
There can be change, absolutely, and there often is change. In 180 degree turn, often there are things, there are behaviors that God sets us free from, and as well, it's a process of maturation. But all that to say, repentance begins with agreeing with God about our situation. And so when we begin to, when we agree with God, times of refreshing come from the Lord. Is there an area in your life that you need to agree with God about? Get on the same page as him. Lord, you know, you've been doing it this way. You've been thinking this way. And God's going, dude, you are not thinking right. You need to think this way. You know? And then you, you okay, Lord, I'm going to agree with you about this situation. Boom. Times of refreshing. Here's some grace to help. You following me? Repentance. Number one. Number two. Fresh filling, fresh filling. Ephesians 3.19, Matthew 4.11. Matthew 4.11 is the passage when Jesus has to be, he has to receive from the angels and he needs to be filled again. And times of fresh filling. You know, you can do that today. You can be in your car and go, Holy Spirit, I need to be filled fresh today. Right now, Holy Spirit, I ask you that you would fill me afresh. Maybe put some worship music on. Maybe forego, you know, ACDC on the car ride home. Just, just for 20 minutes <laughs> and begin to, you know, begin to be sensitive to where your soul's at. Okay, I need, I need some fresh filling. You know, maybe you're not just hangry because you haven't eaten. Maybe you need a bit of the Holy Spirit too. Hello. <laughs> you're honestly my favorite human. It's happening. Tongues. Tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. I don't know if all of us are Pentecostal here. I don't care. It's in the Bible. It's the New Testament. In the Acts narrative, like three out of four people, when they receive the Holy Spirit, they start speaking in tongues. Paul said that, I, you know, I wish that you'd all speak in tongues. I, prof- I, I, I speak in tongues more than you all. He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. That's the primary purpose of it. When you're speaking in tongues, you're you're edifying yourself. You're building yourself up. It's the primary use of tongues. It's not to be confused with prophecy. Sometimes we confuse it for prophecy. It's not. It's not for other people. It's mainly for you. Mainly for you. Why? Because you don't know how to pray as you ought. Holy Spirit does, though. Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need. And when you begin to pray in tongues, you're getting filled by the Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit's doing a work in your life. How about we become, like, I mean, isn't, like, Saskatchewan, like, ground zero for the latter rain movement in the 40s and 50s? Like, like do you know that where you are and where you live, it's historic in terms of the, a move of God in North America? Like, Hello? This is, you guys own this. This is, your, this is your birthright, speaking in tongues. You should be speaking in tongues more than any other Christian in North America. It's your inheritance, yo. Let me encourage you. Just a young guy from Ontario. This is your thing. Speak in tongues in Jesus' name. <laughs> and then finally, James chapter 5 says, Calls, call for the elders. Call for the elders. James chapter 5, you know, the the prayer of faith will will raise them up. But I I just want to bring an application here that, hey, you need something? Reach out to somebody. I'm feeling dry. I'm feeling, I I just need some, it's almost like sometimes there can be a dam that's been built up in our hearts. 
And it's like we need somebody to pray and to blast through so that there's a fresh flow again um, of the Spirit of God in our life. And, and maybe, it could, you know, it could be whatever it could be, some sort of obstacle or some sort of a mind, uh, an obstacle in the mind or a stronghold in the mind. And as we call for the elders, somebody who maybe has been in the journey a little bit longer than you or somebody who there's, a, there's an anointing on their life. And we just say, hey, I need to be set free from this. I need some healing. And I just want the Spirit of God to, to flow freely in my life as we do that by faith. And they lay hands on us. I believe, that, I believe in impartation. It's a, it's a New Testament thing. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be an anointed people. And as we are an anointed people, we're going to see more people come home to Jesus Christ. We can partner with the Spirit of God in new birth, and we can see our churches matured in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Michael. We pray you enjoyed this episode from Saturday Night Church at the Neighborhood Church in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. To touch base from anywhere in the world that you're listening, or maybe it's just at the gym or in your car, can text the word Saturday to 306-800-5296. There you can fill out a digital connect card. To give it a distance, maybe you're working weekends or just don't have a chance to get to the city, you can text the initials TNC to 705-230-8977. God bless you and have a great week.